Um, I'm here with uh, Sean Callahan, who is the founder of uh, Anecdote, which specialises in stories for business. Hey, Welcome, Sean. Hey, good to hear you. Good to be here. Sean, uh, it's great to catch up because it's been quite a while since we've had a chance to sit down and have a Yeah, chat, I know. It? it has, hasn't it? Yep. But um, I think the last time I talked to you about stories was when I sent you a text recently. I was at a conference and uh, there was someone on stage talking about the difference between stories and narratives. Yes. And yes. Uh, I, I shared that with you, and uh, I love the comeback that you did on Twitter. Um, what do you think that people do have a clear idea about stories and narratives and and well, yeah. uh, archetypes because they get thrown around a lot, especially in marketing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the things I'm noticing is um, large organisations. Uh, immediately equate story with performance. You know, you had to make this performance. Uh, I heard about one organisation just recently who taught each one of their executives to tell their personal story and then link it to the company. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. So and you become so, the company man. That's right. And, and you know, uh, every time I hear that, I think it just comes across as very forced or, you know, they're, where they're working too hard. And my sense is I reckon... Business storytelling works best when it's invisible. Mm. You know, when you're sitting there and you're a customer, you're just engaged, they've just sort of told a little story about the work that they've done and, and with, you know, a big company in New York or something like that, and you're inferring all these things about that person. Yeah. But you're not sitting there going, oh, that's a great story. But don't you love it when someone says to you, they actually sit up and go, I'm going to tell you a story now. Oh, you know, yeah. Because immediately you feel like, oh, should I get into my pyjamas and wait for them to read the story to me? You know? oh, yes. uh, and yet stories are just a natural part of conversation. That's it, exactly. I mean, I guess the, you know, I had a chat with um, a prospect the other day, big IT company, and she was very much going down that performance mindset. And, and, I, and I said, rather than, rather than point it out to her, I wanted to just give her an example of how it works. And so I sa said to her in the conversation, I just said, oh yeah, well, you know, actually it's very much like the work that we did uh, last year. Uh, we went over to New York and we were uh, more or less helping the marketing department for SAP turn their um, case studies into oral stories. Okay, that's right? a great idea. Yeah. Anyway, so I tell them, I just tell this little story and then the conversation keeps going. And then I stop and I sort of said to this, this woman, Amanda, her name is, I said, Amanda, did you notice what I did then, you know? And she said, what do you mean? She said, well, I told you a little story about our work in New York and SAP and, I, and, and she went, oh yeah, yeah, it did. I said, what did you infer about me based on that story? She goes, oh, well, you work with big customers and, uh, you know, you're doing really innovative work. I mean, so she listed off all these positive characteristics. And I said, that's how you do business storytelling. It's yeah. just weaved into the conversation. It's not this, you know, big performance piece that I think maybe some organisations are going down that path. But, the, but they're stories that have come from personal experience. You know, yes. what, what I've noticed, especially in marketing, is that they're not trying to tell personal stories. They're talking about the brand story. So suddenly you've got, you know, let's pick a brand like uh, McDonald's. Yeah. And, and they, everyone's rushing around writing this brand story, yeah. which doesn't ever seem to have a real personal connection or personal experience to yeah. it. 
In fact, we uh, saw a great example of this recently with one of our customers, big hotel chain uh, for the Asia Pacific area. And they had a problem where their marketing department had done all this great work on uh, brand descriptions. So, you know, for each brand that they had, they might have had like a 60 slide pack describing in detail what that brand was all about. But the problem was is that their salespeople didn't understand the brand, <laughs> right? And couldn't differentiate between all the different brand types. So we sort of said, well, why don't we go in and find stories that illustrate these different brands and how they differ, but find them from the salespeople and their customers. Yeah. Right. So there was this great example of uh, just this one guy in um, uh, in one of the in uh, one of the Arab countries, how he's told this story about how his father used to take him as a kid to this hotel. You know, every weekend it was a big thing to go to this particular hotel. And now that he's you know grown up and he's wealthy and and, and, and buy his own hotel, he wants to buy one of those. You know, yeah. and it's that, he liked it so much he bought the company. That's right, he bought the company. And you know, it's just those little things. I mean, that was a very non-business emotional sort of connection. But then you can find other ones which are very business savvy type. But aren't the best ones the ones that are emotional connections? I mean, don't we don't we respond to hearing a story? You know, yeah. someone telling us their story yeah. on an emotional level, or do you think there's an analytical approach as well? Because my experience is that if I present something, I'll get questions that are analysing the robustness of what I've presented. Whereas I like the fact that I can basically say the same thing in an appropriate story, yeah. and people just emotionally engage and stop analysing the story. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I think when people say emotion, they think, you know, pour out your heart emotion. <laughs> Crate tissues, yeah. That's like, right. Get the Kleenex, I'm going to cry. But I mean, I mean, there's lots of different emotions. I mean, I mean, one basic one, you know, of course, is surprise. And that doesn't have to be one that you're crying about. It's just so you're, you're sitting there going, what? Did that happen? Really? Oh, but there's also emotional connection, empathy, yeah. understanding. Yes, you know, all you know, those things. All of the, but know. I think it, it's understanding that almost that wheel of emotion types and, and realising that you can go around the whole wheel, you know, and have different types of stories. And I, on that hotel project, I remember there was another example where it was really just a, a story about how a company, uh, a guy had a hotel, he, billionaire owned this hotel uh, it wasn't going very well you know he wasn't getting the occupancy rate that he was hoping to get uh, he then bought if you like this you know these big hotel chains more or less skin the hotel with their look and feel and their services and really their brand and their marketing ability right and within like a very short period of time I think it was like three or four months their, their occupancy rate doubled Right? Mm. And all he had to do was switch from his previous, um, uh, if you like, hotel chain to this new one, which had just a much greater marketing reach. And, and it was just, it was a tiny story, but when they tell that story to other prospects, it has an emotional connection for mm. them, but on an, in a... Well, they believe the success. They yes. believe the results. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you put up a chart that shows, you know, 
here's where we were then and here's where we are now. And look, there's been a 11.9% increase in uh, profit and yes, yes. 15% growth. You know, you immediately start asking questions like, oh, well, what other variables were there? And, you know, you start analysing it because it's a number. That's it. Whereas That's it. you tell the story yeah. and people are inclined to go, oh, okay. But do you think, you know, going back to advertising, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the number of times agencies go, we're storytellers, when in actual fact they make ads, yeah. do you think an ad can actually be a story for a brand? Yeah, well, I mean, I think some of the very best ads are stories for a brand. But I think, the other th I think what, I'm, what, I, what I think about it is that it's not just a single story. You know, it's, it's about having multiple stories that together build this bigger picture. And I think the very best know how to do that. They know how to sort of build up. I, was, I notice, uh, you know, in the subway in, in the UK, you know, do you see the Jack Daniels? Mm -hmm. uh, it's, each one of them is a little story about something that happened with Jack Daniels or going to the, you know, the... You know, the oh, you mean the train subway in the UK? I'm thinking the subway restaurant. Oh, so right, right, yes. Yeah, so in, 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 in the subway, yeah, In the yeah. tube. In the tube, sorry, right. yeah, in the, the tube. tube. The subway's in New York. Yes. The right. underground and the tube is in... Gotcha, well London. done, yes. <laughs> the, um, so, you know, I think the very best can do that, but they're, they're working on multiple stories. It's almost like they have a, a, a platform of stories they're drawing upon... To, to paint this bigger picture. To me, that's that's a really good strategy for, for story and advertising. But then you see others who say, oh, this is the story of X, uh, but then it's not a story, mm. right? And so they, they kept, they're latching onto this idea of the word story and you know, they know it's powerful, but they're not delivering something which is a narrative. It's a bit like a community. Yeah, we can call it a community, but it's actually just a hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, but, I thought... Isn't there... One of the things that I find missing in that, is, and, and one of the powerful things I know that you do in the work with Anecdote is this idea of using stories as a way to elicit a story back. You know, yes. this, this idea that when you tell a story, it's natural for people to then want to, you know, contribute their story in, in response to that. And that the insights you get from people sharing these stories with each other. Yes. And so to me, an ad is all one way. You know, here's our story, read it and go away. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. I, I wonder whether, you know, a much better approach is to somehow to be able to trigger stories so that the, the audience is creating the story as opposed to the, um, you know, the organisation. And, I, I, you know, recently I've been... I love architecture, right? So whenever I get an opportunity to check out new architecture, and of course, when you're overseas, I've just come back from Europe, you know, some of the great architecture, some of the old cathedrals and big churches of, uh, of Europe... And when you go to those places, and in fact, this is pretty much the case for every church, you go into a church, there is no writing on the wall. There are no stories written out, no. right? There are paintings, there are statues, there are mosaics, and each one of those but, sorry, triggers I'll, stories. Yeah, I'll counter. There yeah. is in every Roman Catholic church, right. there are the 13 stage, stations of the cross, Okay, and those 13, tablo 13 tableaus tell the story of Jesus and his crucifixion and resurrection from the dead. So every Catholic church actually has a story. It's called the Stations of the Cross, and they follow. There's no words, but there are pictures that you then bring the story to. But that's my point. Things. That's my point. There's no right. words, right? So, you okay. know, if you're, if you're new to the congregation and you walk into that church, some 
more experienced person would take you to the first station and they would say... That's exactly what they do. And they tell the story, yeah. right? So that's where the, the group is, is sharing the story, but it's triggered by something, yeah. right? And I think organisations need to do something like this where instead of having these hokey, um, you know, histories of their company as a timeline, you yeah. know, in their foyers and stuff like that, they should be having something in there that triggers a foundation story or a story which is about some value that, values that they have or something that is sort of like the essence of the company that gets told over and over again. But it's not a force thing. It's not something like you shall follow these uh, you know, tenants, it's more about, you know, reminding you of those stories, you know, and getting them told. Well, th there's a lot of talk in marketing around purpose. Yeah. Now, it's really interesting because from what you've just said then, it makes me think that in some ways, if a company can define purpose, like their purpose, yes. right, then that opens the opportunity for people to talk about and tell their stories about where that purpose fits in their life or yeah. where that purpose has worked in their life or, you know, where it's relevant to them. That could be staff, it could be you know, suppliers, it could be senior management, but it can also be customers who can then talk about, well, you know, this is this is relevant to me because, yeah. and there's the start of the story. That's right, and, and it has phenomenal power and there's been a, a classic uh, experiment done that illustrates just the effect that that has. It was in a call centre, uh, they split the call centre in half, as they do with these experiments. Uh, one side were told the reason why you're doing this is so that you can earn good salaries and you can uh, get good benefits, and they listed them out. The other half, they um, said the reason why you're doing this is for the benefit of, and essentially they were collecting money for benef from benefactors to improve, uh, you know, sort of scholarships for students. Yeah. And so they're talking about the impact on those student lives and, you know, the core purpose, how they were changing, uh, you know, sort of, you know, what these students well, are engaging do. them in That's the right. broader story. That's right. Well, the guys who were told the story of the purpose and a range of different stories, they had something like a 20 times increase in productivity. Yeah. Because they're engaged. Yeah. All of a and sudden. I bet they shared those stories yep. with the people they were talking to. They did. They did. So, you know, it, it, it has a profound impact. But, you know, going back to, you know, what you're sort of saying in terms of eliciting these stories, I think it's a, an underdeveloped um, skill that we have because we tend to ask questions that get opinions. Yes. Right? We'll ask, so why did that happen? Well, the reason why that happened was X, Y, and Z. And you just get this opinion. But, but just simply changing the way you ask questions and saying things like, uh, say, have you ever seen that happen before, Darren? And immediately I'll give you the story, story of when it happened before. That's right. And, you know, it's a small change. But the interesting thing is in that, I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm giving you the observation of what happened as I remember it. And then that opens it for you to interpret what yeah. were the actual causes and effects right. or what were the influences. Exactly, exactly. So it's a so more honest, actually it's a more honest way of delving into because opinion is heavily laden with you know, politics and agendas and things like that Yeah. rather than the story is told in, in you know, from the perspective of telling the story. Yeah, exactly right. You mentioned before and, and you talked about values, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And one of the things, um, you know, because a, a lot of companies have gone through this idea of putting up their their uh, mantra and their, and these are the values. Yeah. Um, we've actually gone down a different path. This is Trinity P3, where yep. we we've, we talked about what archetypes, you know, of the 
16 or more archetypes? What were the ones that were really, uh, you know, as a collective a collection of people, what were the ones that really resonated with us? And and the three that came up were the the, the rebel, the creator, and the sage, and and the reasons behind that. Do you think there's a role for archetypes? Because as part of storytelling, people yeah. have immediately go to the archetypes. And you know, I think we both agree if we hear the hero's journey one more time, yes, we're going right. to uh, blow our brains out or someone else's. <laughs> but, you know, um, do you think there's a role for archetypes as a way of giving people access to being able to think about things? Or yeah, not? yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the great thing about archetypes is that, you know, they should be very uh, multifaceted. You should be able to access them in all sorts of different ways but one of the great benefits of them is that because they have complexity to them mm. you can actually start to ask those questions about how they might interact how might that archetype do certain things it's almost like uh, taking the characters and sort of working out what sort of story you want to create with that mm. um, so it certainly does that and it also gives you a, f a reflection in terms of um, you know, sometimes when we develop archetypes for organisations, and we don't do that work so much these days, but when we have done it, um, you tend to get these insights into a culture which surprise the living heck out of people. Mm. You know, all of a sudden they go, you could see that, you know, gasping, we're sort of, really, we've got that archetype, you know, in our culture. Um, and then that enables a conversation to be had about, you know, you know how do we deal with that, mm. you know. Um, the um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I I mainly see that archetype work being done in marketing and advertising companies. It, seems it to is be heavy, a heavy conversation, yes. and it gets quickly bundled up with storytelling. So it's archetypes. Let's agree the archetypes, and it's the hero's journey and the everyman. Yes, you know, right. It, it, well, I'm old enough. That, you know, it, Harrison Ford was the everyman. You know, the everyman <laughs> that could do amazing things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looked like an everyday man. Bloke next door, but had superhuman uh, abilities. Right. That right. just uh, and they're picked on, I think, because you know there's just positive. You know, people are scared of archetypes where because of complexity. Yes. There's negative aspects to those personalities, so they avoid those. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, you know, when we've developed archetypes for companies, and we, we do it not as a marketing thing, but as an insight into culture, yeah. and we let the, the um, sort of like the characteristics of the archetypes to emerge from the stories that we've collected. And so you get can potentially really quite uh, negative archetypes. You know, mm. get ones like um, we had one company that had a beekeeper archetype you know, it's all about you know doing the right thing, mending, you know, sort of cultivating. And then on the other hand, they had another archetype was the Grim Reaper. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, it, so it, it certainly you know got them thinking I bet about. That was an interesting conversation at board level. Yeah, yeah so it the, was. Yeah. The Grim Reaper. Okay. Mm, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> It wasn't for a hospital, was it? No, 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 <laughs> it wasn't. I won't give away who had no, the Grim no. Reaper, yeah. But yeah. the other thing that happens, uh, you know, I think marketing is particularly good at co-opting words and concepts um, and then tr uh, changing them. Yeah. But I just wonder, because the big thing at the, the last 12 months or so is it's not about storytelling, Sean. Right. It's story doing. Story doing, yes. yes. So mm. what do you think, you know, is, is this sort of splitting hairs or is this the... Relevant? I don't know. I mean, on one hand, you can sort of say people are trying to use new language to get a slightly different angle on things. But I must admit, I, I get a little bit, um, I don't know, sceptical about 
these efforts. I mean, to me, story doing, when I look at story doing, it seems to be very similar to what most storytelling people are doing anyway. It's, there's no real differentiator in there. Uh, it's a bit like people who are sort of saying, oh no, it's not storytelling, it's narrative, you know, and narrative yes. is... Which is where we started. Exactly, exactly. And narrative to me, is different from storytelling. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, God, there's, there's philosophers who's worked on this for, you know, thousands of years. I don't think we're going to crack it open in, you know, <laughs> in the time we have on this earth. But, um, you know, I think I like to take it as a very practical approach. You know, you, you want to be able to do three things with story work. Um, you want to tell stories, you want to elicit stories, and you want to trigger stories. Mm -hmm. And I suspect the story doing stuff is a little bit about, you know, triggering new stories out there. Um, so, you know, perhaps they're, you know, perhaps they're tapping into that a little okay, bit. Okay, so to use another, uh, is it an idiom? They say it's not talking the talk, it's walking the walk. So what, they, what the belief is, yeah. is just telling the story yes. isn't enough because it won't engage the listener in a way that they'll believe the story, yeah. that you actually have to walk the walk. Well, you know, you could tell the story of the duck, but unless you walk like a duck, yeah, no one's going to believe yeah, the story yeah. of the duck. And that's, that's true. Because like, when you, when you um, have a choice between do you believe the story or do you believe the actions that people are taking, you'll always believe the actions. Oh, you sound right. like Dr. Phil. <laughs> you know, the only predictor of future behaviour is past behaviour. Yeah, so that's quite good. I mean, I saw a nice example of it. Um, uh, I was, you know, flying around as we do, um, lining up behind the, you know, the Virgin counter, and uh, there's a whole gaggle of people clearly going on a conference, right? Yep. And, and I can hear from the conversation that they're all going economy because some, some sort of, um, you know, decision made by the the head shed that that was what needed to happen. And I see what clearly is the, the leader of the organisation walk up to the counter and he's in the economy line like everyone else and they're all chatting away. It's there, obviously going somewhere which is fun. And the lady behind the counter looks at his, you know, sort of credentials and she realises he's platinum, whatever, and she offers him business class upgrade. Yeah. Right? Why not? This guy... Shattered to it for a moment, couldn't quite hear, but I think he was more or less asking her whether he could do what he was thinking of doing. Gets the nod, turns around to the person behind him and says, have you ever flown business class? Yeah. And the person goes, no. Nah. So the actions actually would lead to stories amongst all of those staff or that organisation that this is what he did. That's that right. That his behaviour actually fulfilled what had been said. That's right. And if that story doing, you know, I call it triggering stories, but, you know, I think that's a very important thing. It's just, but it's not an either or. It's not like, oh, no, we must do story doing and not storytelling. It's actually this triumvirate of three things that you do around story work to make I, a difference. I think it's driven by probably a high level of scepticism in marketing and advertising where a brand will go out and tell stories through advertising right. about, let's say, customer service. Yeah. And they'll use examples, uh, stories of as examples of customer service. Yeah. They may not even be true stories, but there's, you know, there's a demonstration in the story about how this brand will go above and beyond what would be normally accepted to deliver this, this outcome. Yes. And then immediately when the uh, person walks into the branch, they get treated the same garbage way that they've always been treated. Yes. So there's no point telling the story That's unless right. you're willing to 
do what you're saying. Well, not even no point. It's actually probably working against you. you Counter. Know? Counter. I mean, have you seen all those big billboard ads for McDonald's at the moment? This is something that says something like, this is not very McDonald's-like, and then yes. there's, you know, like service and there's yeah. also and these luscious hamburgers and you're thinking god that's that could be the best hamburger i've ever seen now i haven't been to mcdonald's recently but if i go into mcdonald's and it doesn't match that yeah that's exactly the problem you face you know you then create an anti-story right? yeah and an anti-story will just be the thing that takes over um and so it's, a, it's an you, important you, element so you've just triggered in my mind um this is why in marketing and business, stories have become so important because social media is all about people telling stories, your customers telling stories. Yes, yeah. And if you don't uh, learn how to trigger, seed, encourage stories from your customers, then they're going to tell their stories anyway, with, irrespective of your uh, your influence or your participation. Well, that's right. And I, I went to um, uh, the the Davos Communications Conference um, earlier this year, and uh, one of one of the big marketing companies got up and they said they're going to control the narrative. <laughs> and I nearly <laughs> fell off the chair. I mean, you, I thought you've got to be joking, you know. But they had this idea that they could just Was say that Mark Zuckerberg, because <laughs> he might be able to do it. But uh, I'm not sure anyone can control, control the, the narrative. narrative. Oh my God! Did they actually explain what they meant by that? Not really. Not sort of detail but you know and what was interesting it was actually um, in relation to branding a country okay right so they were talking this particular country and how they're going to control the narrative I mean good luck to you well even China uh, <laughs> is having trouble controlling the narrative yeah. because of social media yeah, yeah even with all the controls there the, the government to their credit is is learning to let go and allow some narratives and stories to be to run yeah because, you know, they see it's the right thing to do. The more you try and suppress stories, in actual fact, all you're doing is forcing it underground and that makes them more potent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then I think the other thing too, which I find interesting, I've just been doing some work around this space of um, how do you counter misinformation, right? Because one of the things I see is a, a, an error played out over and over again in organisations is a story will start to bubble in the organisation, which is causing the executives real pain. Um, and they then their gut response is to deny it, yeah. right? Or, you know, it's just a classic. They get out there and go, no, no, that did not happen. Don't you just counter the story? Yes, right. You have to have a better story. You actually yeah. have to, you can only beat a story with a better story. There's some lovely research done by some Western Australians, actually, on, um, they did this scenario, which was like, replicating a, a fire in a, in a warehouse and, and the messages that would come out like to a fire brigade and say, you know, fire started this time, it's burning in this area. And then they say things like, um, oh, and we found uh, uh, oil-based paints and uh, gas canisters in the, where, in the closet right next to where the short out happened. Right. right? So in your mind, you're going, that's, well, that's, what, what, that's what caused it, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the next line, and they wait a little bit. Then the next line they say, oh, no, sorry, we got that wrong. Uh, just disregard that. Right. And then they continue on with the report. And at the end, they ask the people uh, some questions. They'll say, uh, so there was black smoke coming from the warehouse. What caused the black smoke? Oh, it was the paints and the, uh, the gas canisters that, you know, got to do. Anyway, they are, they're just totally incorporating the yeah. um, information which they were told was 
not there. And then, this is the thing that amazed me, a little bit after that, they said, oh, we just want to ask some questions about, you know how we told you that this bit was, you know, we struck that out, didn't actually happen. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. You know, that, yeah. Yeah. They t but from a logical, rational perspective, they know it's not true. It's the way we process information as right. human beings, yeah. They did another one just to compare it, of course, and another group, but instead of, well, they, they again, they struck out that information, but then they replaced it with a better story. They sort of said, oh, but what we did find was we found some... Uh, petrol-soaked rags right next to some canisters. So immediately you're thinking arson, etc. Yeah. And then, of course, when they're asked about the smoke, yeah. oh. It yeah. wasn't the short and the pants, no. it was the yeah. petrol-soaked rags and That's the... That's right, yeah. exactly. So, so well, a better story counters the, the first one. story, yeah. Okay. Whereas, you know, I was watching, have you been watching this um, thing about Kevin Rudd and, and Julia Gillard? Oh, yes, yeah. The killing the, season. The killing season on the There was this season. classic scene where um, Julia Gillard was telling a little story about how she'd come out of a cabinet meeting and she obviously upset Kevin Rudd. And after Kevin meeting, Kevin comes right up into her face and he's blowing his stack and, he's, and she's saying he's real bullying behaviour. Um, and so you're getting this picture in your head about this interaction. And then um, they cut to Kevin. I said, well, you know, what do you think about that? It didn't happen. <laughs> and I'm thinking... Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah. Just straight denials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you have to give some plausible alternative. Yeah. Well, he could have said, he could have said another story. He could have sort of said, look, yeah, I was, I was really angry that day, right? Uh, and I did come out and I must admit, but, you know, the way I remember it as, and you tell it another yeah. story. Now, that's not going to immediately get you to switch. No. Because... But it's at least something to consider. I mean, he could have said, yes, yes, I was really angry, yeah. but it's very important in my role that I need to keep control. But see, that's not a story, it? though. Right? Isn't That's more of an opinion. You want to yeah, you'd okay. want, you'd actually tell a story, story of what, what he did. did. Yeah, you know, see, because okay. we've got to have that cause and effect. Okay, but he could have gone, yeah. You would need to go on to prove that that's even it. under huge stress, he's, he stays calm. That's it, yeah. That would be what you infer out of that story. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's uh, interesting what's happening in the, these different industries that we work in. Um, well, look, all I can say is marketing have definitely jumped on board with the idea of stories. Right. It's stories, brand stories, it's story doing as well as storytelling. Uh -huh, it's uh -huh. uh, building a brand narrative so that everyone can be talking about the, you know, telling the same story yes. around the brand. I'm just wondering whether, you know, it actually resonates you know, is this just another technique that everyone's picked up on? Or, you know, because you work in business, not yeah. marketing, okay? Yeah. And clearly uh, in, in that context, it's getting a huge amount of traction. Yes, right? yes. I'm just wondering whether marketing is just scratching the surface. I mean, I get it. I think organisations go through different levels of sophistication. You know, their first blush effort is almost like this performance storytelling type approach because they, they, that's what they kind of get from Hollywood and, mm -hmm. you know, their, their conceptions about what a story should be. And then they get a little bit more sophisticated and nuanced about their stories and they realise, when they, when they start to realise that a whole bunch of people are already doing it in their organisation, like they're salespeople. You know, take the top 20% of a sales force in your organisation, they're all storytellers. You know, um, and you start to see what they're doing and how they're using it. Uh, you start to realise, you know, how it can be done. But 
Yeah, I think I think it's just a a different first phase of use of story in, in this new way, if you like. Mm. Mind you, you know, you talk to um, people in that field, especially people who are you know crafting. I call them big S stories. You know, mm. I, remember I had this spectrum. You know, one end is big S storytelling where it's beautifully crafted, well told. Beautifully performed. And Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then there's right the other end of the spectrum of the smallest stories. The little ones like I told about the, the personal anecdotes. The personal anecdotes. That's where I live, you know, in that smallest end. You can learn things by coming up the spectrum to the biggest, but you don't want to go too far, I think. Because as soon as you go too far, people start to see you as this... Uh, someone who's a little false, you know, who's not... An entertainer. That's right. And a uh, professional rather than a personal storyteller. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I, and again, it comes back to my, I think, this feeling that you're really good storytelling, in business anyway, I guess it's like going to the movies. Imagine if you went to the movies and you're thinking about the storytelling. Hmm. That's a... That's a waste of a movie as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know it's a bad movie when you're actually analysing the story. That's it. And it's the same with in business. That's yeah. why stories have to be invisible, you know. Yeah. You should be just sitting there taking in the yes, conversation. Yes, story one, yeah. we'll transition to story two and finish with story three. Indeed. Thank you very much. Applause. Yeah. Well, Sean, that's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Pleasure. Good chatting. Anyway, I've got this story I was going to tell you about... <laughs>